Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. James 5. We're going we're gonna to read, uh, we're going to break this down into three sections tonight. That's the way we're kind of going after this. Uh, I want to say a, a big thank you to uh, Brother Gallion and Brother Lopez helping me with this series. Uh, they've done a phenomenal job helping me. Brother Gallion taught the first week on James 1. I came and taught on James 2 the second week. Last week, Brother Lopez taught on James 3 and 4 while we were with the uh, staff out of state. And and then tonight we're going to conclude with James chapter 5. We're going to read, we're going to read verses 1 through, let's read 1 through 6. It is the text of our first section, and then I'll allow you to be seated. But let's, let's read some Bible together. If you want to, why don't you just read out loud with me. I'll read it a fairly steady clip, and you can just read along with me. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, Crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and have been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Wow, James, James should be putting the landing gear down and he comes out swinging. Um, but he's going to try to he's going to try to really handle some big things here um, in this last chapter. Would you just say a, a prayer with me that God would do His intended work through His study, our study of the Word right now? Lord, we love you. Thank you for our time together. I pray that you'd give me wisdom, help me to speak with clarity, help me to relay the text in a way that honors the text. Help us to be not only hearers but recipients and then doers of the Word, as we've been challenged through the book of James, that our works are necessary, that we would be called to action as hearers and believers in the Word of God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we give you great thanks and praise. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Uh, We mixed up the notes just a little bit for those of you that like these these pieces of paper and these notes. It looks a little different than it has. Uh, maybe for you to take some notes of your own. Maybe you glean some things. If anybody finds anything in the, in the text tonight that's just, wow, that's a great thought, I'd like you to give that to me because I'd like to preach it. Um, and <laughs> James, is, James is really coming out of the gate here talking and taking some shots at what feels like from surface just against rich people. Now, how many know that there can be a there can be a little chip of the, on the shoulder sometimes, you know, wealthy, 
versus poor or poor versus rich or however you want to do that. But James here again, James is not just after people because they have money. He's after the way that they deal with their money. The way that their spirits reflect. He is, he is not calling it a sin to be rich. But how many know that that has crept into certain religious circles along the way? Now, I will, I will repeat what you have no doubt heard, but let's be honest about it. Some people cannot handle to be rich. Some of you are thinking, well, obviously I couldn't handle it. The Lord, the Lord must have known something about me. <laughs> Others are thinking, I wish he'd just give me a chance. Just give, let's find out. But he's not, a, he's not against people being rich, but it's the, it's the sinful nature that comes with the selfishness. Everyone say selfishness. That's what James is really addressing here. I would tell you that to be selfish is much in the polar opposite direction of being a Christian. Being a Christian is really meant to be selfless, not selfish. While they might sound close if you say them fast enough, they're not the same. They're not even related. Rich men might be apt to say to themselves, one commentary says, and and others are ready to say to them, eat and drink and be merry. But God is saying, weep and howl. Weep and howl. That seems like uh, quite the, the, the tough statement, James. What are, you, what are you here? He's not saying weep and repent. Why not? Because he doesn't expect that they will. Sister Tiller, he's saying there's something in their heart that will not allow them to be repentant. They've been given that opportunity and denied it. I, I want to pause at the very beginning and say, Brother Sleva, we were in prayer. I, I don't know if this was Tuesday night or if this was down. I can't remember. I, I think it was just last night at prayer. Maybe he said this. But I don't ever want to get to the place where God would give up on me. I would never want God to have to speak to the prophet and the prophet make such a bold declaration of their hearts are so far turned. They've, they've gotten so selfish that let's just tell them to weep and howl because they will not repent. Ooh, Lord help us, right? Lord help us to stay repentant. Nudge your neighbor and tell them you better stay repentant. Some of you have been wanting to say that to them anyway, so... But when the doom comes, we know what will the end result be. And it seems to tie here that there is a time and there is a place where there will be weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. I wish it were not so, but hell is real. Somebody told me one time, we don't preach about hell anymore. Well, I'm going to tell you, we don't preach about heaven or hell enough. I'm trying to do it, but we went through a season here where some people thought if we'd ignore it, it wouldn't be real. I don't care what post-modernity says. There is a right. There is a wrong, regardless of what the ideals of the world are. And so we have to be honest, and James is kind of putting this back on them and on their selfishness, and he's saying, he's saying there, there is something that they're attached to. And we know that it was love. It was a love of the world. It was affection 
for the things of the world. He finishes his thought by from chapter 4. He's, he's talking to the wealthy. He's warning against this materialistic lifestyle. I always feel like I have to qualify when I'm in a conversation like this because he is not teaching against wearing nice things. Okay? If you got nice shoes on, you don't need to hide that. It doesn't make you more spiritual if your shoes are scuffed. Okay? You drive, a, drive in in an old beat up, that doesn't make you automatically more spiritual. That, that's not what that is, and that's not what James is addressing. But, but, but he might, if I would try to put it into this century's context, he might be talking to the person that, that they are willing to stretch themselves to the nth degree to buy a new boat, but there's no record of them given to missions. Is that all right? Does that make sense? Okay. They, they, they want the building to be updated. I just wanted to see how long the pause would hang. I, I know that's no one here. I'm preaching to people that are watching. Those that are watching from another location. No, that's the truth, isn't it? How many know that if we're not careful, there's a mindset in this world that creeps in? I'm, I've got to be honest, Brother Grove. I'm glad that it's not a new thing. It's not something new. It's been from the fall of man. It's been from the fall of man to have a desire for the things of the earth. Right? And so we've got to guard that. And James is saying you have got to guard against this. This materialistic draw, this lust of the flesh, this desire, yeah, this desire that you have, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's this drawing towards this materialistic thing. And, and he's trying to warn them. And really, it's more of a proclamation than a warning. He's saying, the end is destructive here. Read this, read this again with me right here. He says, he says your, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Verse 3, your gold and your silver is cankered. He says it's rusted. The things that you, have, that you have brought near to you. What would the Gospels tell us? Where thieves break in and steal, where moth and rust doth... Right? James is saying, you have built this treasure, tr treasure trove for yourself. You've pulled this silver and this gold, and you've had this elitism status, and it's rusted. Remember when I was a young boy and heard as just a child, what we acquire on this world, we better lay up treasures in heaven because we can't take these things with us. Our, our true satisfaction should be sowing into things of the Spirit. Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which you've kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped. You've lived in pleasure on the earth, and you've been wanton. You're, you've nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. What he's saying to them uh, in this place, he's, he's, he's kind of uh, referencing it. The, the imagery here that's being painted by James is like a beast of the field that is to be slaughtered that day and does not even know it, and they eat casually. They just devour what's in front of them, not knowing that that little tag in their ear means they're up next. I used to, I used to sit on the board for uh, Lighthouse Ranch for Boys. 
And, and they would come into our general committee and they would make, uh, Brother Smith would come in and he'd make these presentations about the bull that had been purchased. Incredible working farm. And he was talking about the name of the bull. And all the guys got a kick out of it and we're talking and the kids would go out and they would feed it. And, and it was like this long, yeah, I'm going to tell you, if you plan on eating it, don't name it. Right? It's just a little help for any of you that live in the country and if you, you buy you a, a, a cow, don't give it a name. If you, get him, if you got him for burgers, sorry, we got some vegetarians in the house that are like, I don't understand where this is going. This is. But he's, he's painting this description here. You're eating as if it doesn't matter. I would, I would tell you I fear that's where a lot of our world is right now. They're just... They're just Blanket consumption of all kinds of craziness in the world. They are feasting on the fat of filthiness. Eating blindly as if perversion does not matter. Eat, and James said, you, you're, you're at the breaking point. You're, you're at the destruction point and you do not even recognize it. He talks to them about, about the way that they treat the laborers, the way that they've done this. And, and, and really, in the time of, uh, you know, you go back to Deuteronomy and you can see at the establishment with Israel and the way that it had been set up, there was a system of courts that had been established. We know there's much, and I, I'm not going to take a lot of time, but on, on just weights and scales, Brother Fridley, we can walk through that and the way that we treat people. It's a lot of symbolism that's, that's being dealt with there and the way that people are treated and... and but it seems as though in the day and age that, that James is dealing with that whoever was able to purchase the system, I don't want to get any conspiracy theorists going, but whoever was able to purchase the system could get things to be turned towards them. And James is just basically saying you're corrupt. You don't treat people right. You don't treat people accurate, and there's judgment for that. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell us, there is still judgment for people who do not treat others fairly. We have got to treat one another fairly. I had someone tell me, I had someone tell me here recently, they said, they said I'm so thankful for Calvary. Calvary is a, is a um, multicultural church. That was their words. And I thought to myself, we're not near where we need to be. But I think we're trying to head the right direction. I think we're trying to get to the right place. We don't, listen, we don't, we don't value one generation over another. We don't value ethnicities over another. We don't, we don't say, well, they're seasoned, so their voice matters more. As if somehow there is a weight of souls. How many know you got to get out of the book to get there? you got to get out of the book. And it doesn't, uh, let's think of that great parable where they are, all, they are all offered a certain amount to work for the day. Right? How about the people that get paid the same amount? Now, I'm, I, let's just talk real. Brother East, if I work all day long and you show up at dusk and you work for 30 minutes at the end of the day, one hour, I'll give you one hour. You work one hour at the end of the day. And I've worked all day long, and we, we go into Sister Gail. <laughs> I don't know if she's in it. She gives us both a shekel, okay? You get, you get 
$50 and I get $50. I worked eight hours, baked in the sun, sweated, agonized. What's my first thought? Enough, ma'am. Right? I'm going to pout. It ain't right. I was never lied to. I was never lied to. I was hired for $50 and excited to get the job. Isn't that something? I was excited to get the job until I started comparing myself with someone else. And if we're not careful, the analogy that's being painted there and playing in is, if we're not careful, we'll think, I deserve a little bit better piece of heaven I did this for 50 years. They've done it for five minutes. I'm telling you, this is real. This is real life right here. I've lived for God for 30 years. I better at least give me a mansion. They can have like a, give them like a room. They get to go. That's not how works works. Amen? Just to be in his presence. Somebody said, well, it's not fair. The payoff is not the same. Wrong. While they spent all day in worry, thinking they weren't going to get a chance, you had confidence all day long. That's the untold part of that parable. Yes, you're tired, but you, they carried worry all day long, thinking I'm not getting hired today. I'm not going to get any payoff today. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, if we've been in the church for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, we're the better for it. We are the better for it. I'm telling you right now, people that come into the church with a bunch of scars, they would trade places with your story. They would trade places. Amen. Amen. I think it'd be a good time us just lift our hands and say, thank you, God, for letting us be a part of the body. Thank you, God. I might, not be, I might not be rich in stature or in the things of the world, but I am, I am rich in my relationship with God and with the church. Thank you, Jesus. God cares how people are treated. He does. He cares how we treat people, and so we should treat everyone in the thought of we just want them to be saved. So let's go to sections, uh, section two. First section there really just looking at guarding against the misery of that rich mentality. Let's go to the second section. We're going to look to 7, seven through 12, and we're going to talk about kind of a, a, a unique little different portion here. I, I, think that, I think that it's important. It's tough. It's tough. But it's important to learn how to be patient. I've hit on this a little bit in James. He's after this. He's teaching me how to be patient, listening to him talk about patience. Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, hath long patience for it until he receiveth the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Somebody said, well, I've heard that since I was a kid. Well, then you're closer than you've ever been in the grand scheme of eternity if you've been alive for 60 years you haven't been alive in the blink of an eye 
Amen. Grudge not one against another. Ooh, ooh, that's a mouthful. Help us, Lord. Lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering and affliction and of patience. He said, why don't you consider Elijah? Consider, consider those individuals. Consider the prophets of old that had to speak a word even when it meant the alienation of their own life. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Listen, we must press for patience. Who are you waiting on? The Lord. I have lost track again of how many times I've had to look back across Brother Crabtree at somebody and say, if you don't have peace, if you don't have a word from God, do nothing. I've done everything I know to do. Well, the Bible says stand therefore. Because he hasn't done everything he knows to do. Just remain and strive for patience. If it doesn't feel like it's trying your patience, it's not. You ever had somebody say that to you? Or better yet, you said that to somebody. Since you've never said that to anybody, have you ever had someone say that to you? You're trying my patience. You're trying my patience. Anybody else grow up in a house where that was said? You're... You're trying my patience. I want to say I'm succeeding. <laughs> Obviously. The fact that this many years later I can still remember that line. He said, consider the farmer that plants the seed. Everybody in this room, every Christian I know would think it was foolish if a farmer planted seed and the next day showed up at the field crying because there was no crops. Uh, it's like you don't love me. But don't we treat prayer like that a lot of times? It's, I, if God loved me, this wouldn't happen. Don't put that on God. Life happens. Now we can go and interrupt him. I believe we can interrupt him. He was on his way to Jarius' home when she pressed through the crowd and interrupted him. We got to petition him. But James said, you need to calm down and be patient. Can anybody, can anybody finish this line? Corn is high as an elephant's eye by the... <laughs> We're so American. We, I grew up in the middle of cornfield, and that's, that's what it would be. And, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't see it in real time. I just all of a sudden, I'd be like, whoa. While I wasn't watching... It was growing. It was growing while I wasn't watching. Us Midwesterners, we know about that, the corn that was growing. And it, but it didn't happen day after day after day. But when it is a, you know who I bet did look at it every day? The guy who's getting paid if it grows and not if it doesn't. 
He's driving by. I grew up in ag country, and he'd be driving by there with a thermos of coffee every day. It was so normal for me. I had kids that I went to school with. They would come in. They had already been in the field before they ever came to school. Got dirt on their boots because they were in the field taking their four-wheelers out and doing soil samples and checking stuff because for them it mattered whether it grew. So they were checking the consistency. Not whether or not it sprung up overnight, just whether or not the atmosphere stayed conducive for growth to occur. Oof. I can't be mad if it doesn't spring up overnight, but I can find myself irritated with me if I don't allow the atmosphere, if I don't guard, have a safe condition for things to grow. And this is what he's after here. James is working on them. He's, he's trying to get them to understand this isn't something that is happening immediately overnight. You, 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 you've got to consider the prophets. Think about the prophets. We've got... Can I, Pentecostal church, please hear me right now. We've got to consider the prophets. I know that right now, and I, I said it last month, that there is this, this divide that seems to be happening like never before. This hated of all men for his name's sake. It's, it's really happening. There's this divide. There's this antagonizing of Christianity. But lest we think we're the first ones, consider the prophets. Prophets who are threatened with their lives by the kings. Give me what I want to hear. Well, it don't work that way. Right? But that's where there's a lot of that in the church right now. And unfortunately, there are denominations where preachers are yielding to itching ears. Going to the, going to the store and buying some potting soil and trying to call it fresh dug earth. We can't cultivate this any other way than what the Scripture teaches us. We've, there are some things that we absolutely must guard. He said, consider the prophets. Now, I don't know how you feel, but I assume you feel like me. Brother Armato, to, to consider the prophets and try to put myself in that same context, wait a minute, that's a high and a lofty, almost an exciting, really humbling Regard. He said, you're a, you're a Christian, you're a believer, consider the prophets. They would speak it and they'd be alienated for it. But they were right because it was the word of God. He's trying to say, people might, people might give you a hard time, but you don't believe in Christ for people. You reach people because you believe in Christ. What, did he, what were the disciples told? What was the early church told? If they won't receive it, shake the dust off your feet. Move on. This is the hardest news for some people in this room. Everybody don't like you. That is so hard for some of us. Everybody's not going to like you. Well, I feel like everyone should love you. They don't. They don't. And I'm going to tell you the honest truth about psychology is that certain people spend so much time trying to get people to like them that they don't really know that if you really knew them, you wouldn't even want to be around them. They don't think like you. They don't talk like you. They don't act like you. They don't dress like you. Why? Because unless they think like the Lord and talk like the Word tells... 
Come on. He said be real about who you are. Be consistent about who you are. Let your yay be yay and your nay, nay. Nudge somebody and tell them, hang in there. Hang in there. My crops haven't grown. Hang in there. What do we do, James? Hang in there. Be patient. Yeah, but he, he still acts like a jerk. Hang in there. Is he better than he was three months ago? Remember that day you walked into school and that little foam cup, you just saw that little bit of green, just that little bit, little bit. You wanted to show everybody, hey, hey, look. Look, mine's growing. My plant's growing. Just a little bit. What are we taught? Faith like a seed, like a mustard. Just, just, just give me a little bit. I don't have the positive doctor's report back yet. I, I don't have the full miracle. I just, I got to be honest. I showed the whole room today in that conference room. She sent me two pictures. She didn't tell me everything's fine. Brother McDoor went and prayed for that little boy yesterday. She didn't give me, she didn't give me, he's got a clean bill of health. She didn't tell me the lungs completely inflated. She just sent me a picture of a smile and I said, that's enough. That's enough to know. She said, it's like a, it's like a dramatic recovery already from this morning to this afternoon. All I need is a little bit to know. And every now and then I think God gives us these divine, these divine reminders to be able to look at the people that are, are not wanting to live right and not wanting to do right. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, the devil will send them to influence you. But you've got to stand fast with patience. Resolute in your determination. Amen. Let's go. Verse 13. Verse 13, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Brother Houck, I didn't tell you to do that tonight when you got up. I didn't ask you. I didn't ask Brother Faulkner to get into James 5. But there's a time to pray. There's a time to sing. We, we need prayer. But we need to sing too. I think that's one of, the beauty, one of the beauties of the way that we have our services. Brother Mathis, we have prayer for the sick. But just because there are sick, we do not mourn the whole service. Ooh, touched a little vein right there. Yes, we got to pray. But I'm going to tell you we have more to rejoice about than we have to mourn about. And so we pray and we bind together. We have to do that. Why? Because we're determined and we're patient and we're resolute and are determined. We do that. But so if you're sick, let's pray. But if you're merry, sing. And don't feel guilty to sing if you're not sick. I don't want to offend anybody. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm using a little humor here, but let me, let me say it very clearly. If everything's good in your life, don't be afraid to testify about that. Well, I didn't want to say anything because they've been having a good time. Brag on the goodness of God. Yeah. You can't go wrong testifying on the goodness of God. Now, if you try to turn it back into a selfish thing, <laughs> I got it all together. 
you pray. He'll let you pray. But if, you, but if you're feeling good, if you're merry, sing, sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Why did we do this? Let him call for the elders of the church. Why do we do that? Right here. Call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Is it the oil? No, in that day and age, oil was viewed as medicinal. He said, so we're going to take that which the earth has yielded and we're going to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what we do with the oil of the earth? Is we take the oil of the earth and we call over it the name, the manifest visible image of God, the name of the Lord Jesus. We believe that when we say the name of Jesus, we say the manifestation of the same God who created the earth in the first place. Before an olive plant ever stretched up out of the ground, before they ever found out that it had medicinal properties in it, they would pour oil upon to a wound of an individual and they would work it like a salve. They would take that oil as far ancient as Bible times and they would rub and massage that oil into the wound or into the body and it had healing and medicinal properties and the God that had created the God that created the plant and the process in the first place then laid upon them and prayed and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ what are we saying we believe in what he's given us but we don't believe in anything he's given us unless acknowledging that it is him that does the work every 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 Good gift. And every perfect gift cometh down. So we can't, we can't, we can't complain. We can't do that. We, we, don't, we, we don't want to complain. And listen, because complaining will turn into murmuring. It'll turn into murmuring. It'll turn into murmuring one against another. So instead of focusing on those woes, we have got to cry out to God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this as long as God gives me breath to say it. If, if you're a contentious person, be contentious in prayer and kind to people. Be content. Well, I'm just naturally, I'm kind of wound tight. We'll go have a real good prayer meeting. I mean it. I mean it. Don't tell me that you can be mean with people, but you can't pray louder than a whisper. I'm telling you, there's people that if you'd really let yourself go in prayer, you could bombard the gates of heaven and you could just wreak havoc on hell by the, and you'd get up. Some people would be surprised how good you felt. I didn't even think I liked them. Take that anger out on the enemy. Amen. The prayer of faith shall Save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they'll be forgiven of him. Confess. Well, let's skip over this one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this one's kind of ugly. If you have a pen, some of y'all just want to just go ahead and say, nah, let your nay, nay. No, no. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another. This is not talking about Public confession for private sin. It's not. There are public sins against the body and there are private sins against yourself and against individuals. Okay? 
James wasn't dealing with it, but we do. He is not saying you did something privately, so air it out on social media publicly. No. Or I got a problem with them, so I'm going to leave my gift at the altar. No, no, a thousand times no. You're, you, listen, if I can get through to anybody on this, you are not making yourself look like the victim when you do that. You're not making them look bad. You're making yourself look immature. Okay? All right. So we don't air it out that way. But there is a time, if I know I offend you, pick on my friend here, brother, Larry, if I, if I know, I know, I know I did it. I know I did it. I can't just hope that you feel better. Right? I did you wrong. I owed you 100. I gave you 70. I was like, I'll get the rest later. And then six months later, and I'd just start dodging him in the foyer. <laughs> now, it's one thing if he came to me and said, listen, let's not worry about that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I was able to do that. But if it was an agree, if I know I've done something, if I've done wrong, I need, I need to make that confession. I need to make, do not expect a public blessing if you refuse to handle things that you know are private issues. We can't. We can't. We've got to deal with it. You say, well, brother so-and-so did this four years ago. If you're still hanging on to that, and you've never talked to them. Now maybe you talk to them and they just they got a bad attitude, so you got a bad attitude, we're just gonna have bad attitudes together. Okay. I'm gonna tell you, you're not winning. You're not winning and they're not either. But if you have an issue, I'll give you a personal story. One time I was uh, I, I was serving there at, at headquarters and I had a we were, we, were, we were moving buildings and, and one of the employees, I came out in the hallway and they were all boxing things up. We were moving to a new headquarters and, and I said something, uh, Brother Faulkner, they were really troubled by it. I was trying to be humorous before the Lord. I was trying to make it a light situation. And I said, hey, come on, it's going to be good. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Inside... I thought I was making it light. Sometimes you don't recognize the way people view you. And I've been guilty of that. And to them, they really took it as a question of their faith. Two months later, came and sat down in my office and said, my husband, my husband told me I should talk to you about this a long time ago. And started crying. Brother Lopez, I was mortified. She said, I know, I know. That's what he said. You were probably joking. I would not, I would not have hurt her for the world. I meant it. I meant it. I was trying to make a light situation. But sometimes people are dealing with things in the context of who they are. And if we're not careful, ladies and gentlemen, we will carry around unintentional wounds as a device of the enemy. 
I'm, I'm not saying it was even maybe necessarily a, a device of hell. I think it was just humanity. But it was clung to as something that wasn't even real. And it, was, it wasn't five minutes. She's smiling, I'm smiling, she's laughing. She, oh, I can't believe that I... And, and what were we dealing with? We were dealing with something that if that afternoon we'd have talked about, it would have saved months of carrying it. There is something about this being honest with one another. Going to one another. Talking to one another. Being able to confess some things to one another. If, they, if every time they do it, they're driving you crazy. If they did something, if they said something to one of your kids, and you're still carrying it, all right, have that conversation. Confess those faults. The effectual, listen here, isn't it amazing that, that we quote that part? We never quote, confess your faults one to another. We like to pray for one another. That's that, Okay, I like that. You may be healed. I'm definitely down with that. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We will preach that till we're blue in the face. How many times have you heard that? The effectual fervent. Wow! Nobody shouts when you say, confess your faults one to another. <laughs> Which Bible's he reading from? That's, that can't be the KJV. It is. <laughs> Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he, he prayed again. Patient pray. Patient pray. Patient pray. I didn't write report. Patient pray. If you have something wrong in your heart, listen, I'm going to tell you this. It'd be better for God to touch your spiritual man than your physical man. It'd be better for you to let him wash your sins away than him to touch your body. Because you, you can go to heaven as the result of loss of this temporary shell. But you can't go to heaven with sin in your heart. Amen. Brethren, if any, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. James came out of the gate swinging in chapter 5, telling all the rich people they're going to hell. And then he's ending by saying, but if you reach one, No one in this building is without fault of some level, without sins in our past at some level. But might it play forward in our lives that we, we would have the reality of confession to one another. Listen, and this is an important point. Confession is made to, prayer is made for. I don't pray to you. You don't pray to me. Can't do that. Even though you're made, she's an amazing decorator, can do things that I couldn't dream up doing. I don't pray to you. I can confess to you. I can't do it that good. I can't do it on that level. But I have to pray for you. Okay? 
That's where, that's where if we, sometimes if we don't have that confess to, we pray against rather than for. I'm going to let that sink for a second. I know we've got to land this plane, but if we don't have the confess to, sometimes we are unable to pray for. It's hard. It's hard for me to pray for you if I can't even forgive you. How can I, how can I want you to be saved if I can't even stand to be in the same sanctuary as you? I'm going to love you when we get to heaven. I'm just not going to like you here. Imagine, what happens, what happens if there's unresolved issues and you stand in line next to them in judgment? What if God in the infinity of His wisdom sets that up? Oh, hey. How are you doing? You good? Hmm. Hey. Let's make it right while we can make it right. Let's make it right while we can. Time is slipping too quickly away. Eternity is coming so, so, so quickly. Stand with me. The mission of James seems to be so much in line. So much in line. I think that's why the Lord really was working on my heart and directing me here for this, for this season in our church, this reaching, connecting, discipling, just kind of where we're at. Hard to believe closing in on being here a year um, in Indianapolis. I'm so thankful for what the Lord has done over the last year. As we, as we close James, we're closing it on the precipice of June. We're, we're easing into June. Here we go. And I know I've talked about it a little bit this month. I want to I remind us as we are now easing into summer. We've, we have got to keep reaching people as a part of our focus. As a, and when I say our, I mean your individual family. Not just the church family. Not just that's pastor's burden. Because I don't believe that. I think it's our whole church's burden that we want to see men and women drawn in here. That's why there is emphasis on next Wednesday night. That's why we, that's why we put so much emphasis on baptizing so many on, on Sunday. Only God can do that. We can preach to our best, but only God can really make that and work on a heart and then someone respond. Only reason I'm hovering, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hovering here at the end because I feel like even though it's a Wednesday night, God is trying to work on somebody's heart and mind and He's telling you, make it right. Make it right. And I'm talking to somebody right now. Make it right. You've got to let those feelings you were harboring, you've got you to let it go. Got to make it right. You got. You probably gonna have to confess too, so that you can effectively pray for. Lord, we love you. Thank you for our time together in this, in this letter, this letter of James to these, these believers who themselves were 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 dealing with the disbursement of persecution. They're they're dealing with all all types of issues in their own life and. James, yeah, he's identifying sin really in a way that he's trying to keep the church from involving themselves in it and trying to point out what is, what is, what is so uh, much a fallacy in the thinking of the world. But he's, he's, he's commissioning these Christians, and I feel like you're commissioning us here tonight, that we would honor your word, that we would honor what you're calling us to accomplish. 
We're asking for your help in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let everybody say amen.